Next on PIJN News, Dr. Chaps reports on these important issues. President Obama halts the shipment of Hellfire missiles to Israel, even while he sends $400 million to the Palestinian Authority. We have an exclusive interview with Bill Federer, who explains the history of Jewish political activism in America that helped Israel. Former Navy Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt took a stand to defend religious freedom by daring to pray publicly in Jesus' name. Now he helps you by reporting the news, discerning the spirits, and praying the scriptures. Would you pray with us? Here's Dr. Chaps. God bless you in Jesus' name. My name is Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt, Dr. Chaps, and you're watching PIJN News. On this show, we like to do three things. We report the news, we discern the spirits, and we pray the scriptures in Jesus' name. Are you ready to pray the news with us? Here's our first story. Ynetnews.com reports that President Obama stopped a shipment of aerial anti-armor Hellfire missiles from going to Israel. After White House State Department officials learned that the Israeli Defense Force requested transfer directly from the Pentagon without asking for White House approval. They cited a report in America's Wall Street Journal that says, White House officials were concerned about Israel's use of artillery. Instead of precision guided munitions in the more densely populated areas of the Gaza Strip. The journal reports Israel requested money for more Iron Dome interceptors from the US Defense Department mere days after the ground incursion into Gaza began. While Israeli officials told the Americans that Israel had enough interceptors for the current Gaza operation, they said it wanted to replenish its stocks. Relations between the two countries have now reached another low point. An Israeli official, here's a quote, he told the newspaper that the rift between Israel and the United States has now deepened. We've been there before with a lot of tension between us and Washington. What we have now on top of that is mistrust and a collision of differences, perspectives on the Middle East. Obama and Prime Minister Netanyahu reportedly had a particularly combative phone call on Wednesday. U.S. officials are quoted by the journal as saying current Gaza conflict has persuaded them that Mr. Netanyahu and his national security team are both reckless and untrustworthy. Our White House is saying that. Netanyahu, meanwhile, is said to have used his influence in the Pentagon, Congress, and even with lobbyist groups in Washington to defuse the U.S. administration's pressure on Israel during the Gaza operations. American officials noted that while Netanyahu told them he was interested in a ceasefire, the two allies clashed over which players would take part and now to go on achieving a ceasefire. Meanwhile, President Obama is still sending $400 million of your taxpayer dollars indirectly to support Hamas terrorists by funding the Palestinian Authority who cooperates with them, according to a Wall Street Journal report. Well, that's the news. Our thanks to ynet.com and Let's just rehash again. You know, they've, uh, the Hamas terrorists are building tunnels into Israel. They're digging underground across the line so that they can uh, you know, come up with more bombs or more rockets. And meanwhile, inside the Gaza Strip, Hamas is here shown hiding behind children as human shields. And when Israel defends itself or tries to strike, strike a terrorist headquarters, uh, the Muslims say, oh, look, you're targeting children, no. They're using children as shields, and you know, whatever you look at it, it's child abuse. 
and, and it's specifically their, their method of warfare is unethical and I believe it's fueled by a demonic spirit. The Bible says this in Joel chapter three and of course uh, the scriptures call for Washington, our, the foreign policy of our, of our national security to protect American interests ought to be in line with Joel chapter three. The Bible says, I will, God will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my inheritance Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and they have divided up my land. Who's he talking about there? He's talking about America. If we are among those who have scattered Israel among the nations and divided up God's land. Would you pray with me? Let's take a moment and pray. Father in heaven, we do pray in Jesus' name for the peace of Jerusalem. As it says in the Psalms, we should pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And God, we continue to uplift Prime Minister Netanyahu in prayer and President Obama in prayer and all of the Jewish people who are rightly settling in their own homeland. And Father, we pray against the, the demonic spirit that is inside some terrorists, not all of the Arab people, but there are some people who are so violent that they will not be deterred and peace is just never an option for those who want to kill Jews. So Father, we pray against that demonic spirit and we pray that the Holy Spirit will bless and forgive their sins. That even the people in Gaza will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That there will be revival of the gospel, that Bibles and love would trump hatred and the Koran. Father, we pray this blessing in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna take a short break and I wanna encourage you to stay with us because Bill Federer, renowned Christian historian who has a photographic memory, this will be his third interview this past month on our show, is gonna talk about the history of Jewish activism, not just in Israel, but even before Israel, here in America and in European history. You're really gonna enjoy this interview that we have with Bill Federer. We'll take a short break and we'll be right back. Discerning the spirits that rule our politicians, Dr. Chaps will be right back. Let's take a stand with Israel today. Would you sign a petition with me? Visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org. And sign a petition to defend Israel, who is America's closest ally, certainly in the Middle East, if not in the entire world. We remember watching Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu give that speech at the UN when he warned about the making of an Islamic nuclear bomb, and that is being forged in Iran. But what are we doing now? The USA is negotiating with the Europeans to allow Iran to continue to develop nuclear material. Well, that's not right. Do we really trust this man, Hassan Rouhani, the president of Iran, who is the former nuclear weapons chief? You don't think they're gonna build a nuclear bomb when his predecessor, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, literally threatened to wipe Israel off the map of history. Now, we need to take a stand. Why is American foreign policy to fund the Muslim Brotherhood? Let's sign a petition to stop that. Stop sending our taxpayer dollars to fund the Muslim Brotherhood. And let's also sign a petition to protect the Jewish homeland. Both of those are available today at our website, PrayInJesusName.org. And when you sign those petitions, we will fax them to Congress. Instead, the failed foreign policy of the Obama administration, starting with Hillary Clinton and now John Kerry, is pressuring Israel to give up Jerusalem? Why? We should never divide the eternal capital of Israel, which is Jerusalem, and we should move the American embassy there. 
But instead, now the Obama administration is unfreezing the Iranian bank accounts, sending $7 billion to them on the hope of empty promises that maybe they'll stop their nuclear program. Let's defend Israel. The Jewish people are our friends. They have a right to security in their homeland. Visit PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org and sign that petition right now. Defending your religious freedom. Here is Dr. Chaps. Welcome back, I'm Dr. Chaps. We're joined now in the studio by my dear friend, Bill Federer, who is a Christian historian here in America, but he's also an expert, uh, at least recently, on not only Israel and the history of the state of Israel, but also American political involvement by people of the Jewish faith. Welcome, Bill. Great to be with you, Dr. Chaps. So, Bill, we were talking about Israel and everything that's happening in, in the news today. Uh, tell us a little bit about the background of Israel as a nation and then what you wanted to say about uh, Judaism in America. Well, um, by the way, a lot of those quotes I'm mentioning are in the book, America's God and Country. But when there was the um, Muslims were driven out of Spain that they had controlled for 700 years by Ferdinand and Isabella and Ferdinand and Isabella decided to send Columbus to America. So Spain claimed all the new world. Uh, then Ferdinand decided that he wanted to make sure that there weren't any Muslims wanting to plot to overthrow his kingdom. And so he began sort of a inquisition. And then the Jews had existed in Spain sort of as a buffer between the Christians and the Muslims. And so Ferdinand decided, well, maybe we can't trust the Jews and force them to either leave or convert. And they were called conversos or new converts or they fled. And so the Jews fled from Spain to Portugal. Went along fine, Portugal began to prosper, Spain lost a whole lot of creativity and a whole lot of you know, financial basis. But Portugal went along until the king of Portugal wanted to marry the daughter of the king of Spain. And so they said, well, you can marry her if you do the same thing there. So Portugal decided the Jews had to convert or leave. A whole lot of the Jews fled to Holland. And with the Dutch, they had a merchant military fleet and the Dutch had settlements around the world. Dutch Indonesia and Jakarta and um, Goa, India. And uh, then they had New Amsterdam and Recife, South America. And so a whole lot of Jews settled in Recife, South America. Everything's going along fine until Spain and Portugal now are sort of teamed up in a, a combined kingdom. They attack. And so that's when Jews flee again. And 23 Jews on a ship called the St. Catherine stop off at Port Royal, Jamaica. And then they wind up at a Dutch colony called New Amsterdam in the year 1654. The uh, governor, Peter Stuyvesant, said, uh, look, this is a Dutch reform colony. We're chasing out the Lutherans. We're not, certainly not gonna let Jews stay. Jews back in Holland had invested in the Dutch uh, uh, West India Company and uh, decided to say, look, Spain's our enemy, not this handful of Jews, so they're allowed to stay. And they weren't allowed to join the military. They were not allowed to worship outside their house. They weren't even allowed to have their own cemetery. I mean, finally, the British took over New Amsterdam and they made the Anglican faith the official. And so they sort of let the Dutch reform sort of be there in a little cushioned area. And then the Jews were able to sort of survive in this little tolerance that existed. And so the Jews built their first synagogue in New York, I think around the year 1731. New Amsterdam was renamed New York. New Amsterdam was renamed New York. 
And then during the Revolutionary Era, there were about 1,500 Jews in the entire country of 3 million people, seven synagogues in the whole country. And again, they sort of existed in that little cushion uh, that the different colonies began to learn how to tolerate each other, mostly in the port cities, Boston, New York, Philadelphia. And then the revolution happened. And it's sort of interesting. Jews never got involved in politics in these different countries that they had been scattered to after 70 AD. Well, maybe that explains why they were chased from nation to nation and sent on these pogroms because they weren't involved in politics, but here in America, they took a different approach. Right, in, um, uh, in the Babylon, there was a rabbi that came up with the saying, the law of the land is the law. So in other words, look, Jews are scattered from Persia to Spain uh, to European countries, and let's just survive. And so live by the laws of the land, and you can practice your Jewish faith in your home and your neighborhood. Now, Jews were not allowed to live outside of their neighborhood. So their neighborhoods were called ghettos, right? That's where the term came from. And, uh, but it maintained their identity. So uh, when Napoleon changed the laws so that they weren't forced to live there, some Jewish commentators sort of regret that because they began to lose their, their community identity. But nevertheless, um, you had this situation where the Jews, uh, after the law of the land, so it's different than Islamic Sharia law. Islamic Sharia law says you go into all these countries and you try to overthrow their governments to set up this Islamic Sharia law. Jews didn't try to do that. They didn't try to uh, force the whole world to submit to Yahweh. They would just live in their little neighborhoods. And so as a consequence, they got persecuted by all sides because when there was a attack on the city, they wouldn't get involved. Oh, and, and the, because they might have relatives in the next city that's attacking them. And so both sides would hold them suspect, very similar to the way the Christians were during the first three centuries. And the Christians refused to get involved in Roman politics. And they wouldn't, you know, pinch incense to the emperor. And so the, they were accused of being unpatriotic and persecuted as a result. That's the way the Jews were until America. And when the revolution started, the Jews realized that in America, they had more freedom than any other country they had been in since the diaspora the scattering of the Jews. And so very, Jews fought alongside of George Washington. They fought in positions of, of leadership in the military. They had merchant fleets that they went ahead and let Washington use. Uh, Chaim Solomon was a Jewish, Polish-Jewish financier of the revolution. So the, the Continental Congress could not tax, right? The federal government could not tax. States could, but the federal, so Washington's federal army, so to speak, his Continental Army, didn't, a lot of times didn't have any money. Washington would go to Chaim Solomon and he would, on his own personal credit, borrow money from European bankers to help finance the American Revolution. And so uh, he and Robert Morris would arrange these loans for the money. And so you began to see that in America, uh, the Jews for the first time got involved in helping to get America's freedom. And thank God they did. Yeah, and so when the country was first founded, uh, the states had their own laws governing religion. Sort of like today, some states have gay marriage and others don't. Some states have smoking bans and others don't. Some states uh, have gambling and others don't. Back then, some states gave a little more religious freedom and some states didn't, right? Connecticut had blue laws, and so you couldn't do anything on a Sunday. And Washington's riding in his carriage after his election through Connecticut, and the sheriff stops him and says, this is Sunday, uh, no riding in a carriage. Washington honors their laws and goes to the nearest house, spends the day, and takes his trip the next day. And so, but different states had laws governing behave, religious behavior. And so, um, uh, so it wasn't until New York began to have a little more freedom that Jews could get involved. Uh, an interesting change is Maryland. Their first constitution in 1776 required all office holders to be Christian. 
And then Maryland in 1851 changed its state constitution to say all office holders had to be a Christian. And if the party shall profess to be a Jew, the declaration shall be of a belief in a future state of rewards and punishments. So as of 1851. So they qualified. Right. And, but you began to see that you drop the pebble in the pond, the ripples go out. And so the different states would expand religious tolerance at their own speeds. And so uh, anyway, uh, during the um, Civil War, uh, Jews got involved in Confederate politics and in, uh, you know, the, the Union forces. Of course, uh, uh, Grant's infamous order, uh, forgot the number of it, but he uh, sensed that the Jews uh, might be in contact with the Confederate Jews. And so he didn't want to have, so he was going to kick them out. Lincoln said, no, we're going to leave them in the military. Um, and then you had uh, Uriah P. Levy was the first Jewish admiral in our Navy. And uh, he stopped the flogging, the practice of whipping, right? And um, he fought the Muslim Barbary pirates. And uh, he bought Jefferson's bankrupt Monticello estate and had it refurbished and opened it up to the public. And Uriah P. Levy was the only privately commissioned statue of Thomas Jefferson. Privately, and it's, it was donated to the U.S. Capitol. So the statue that's in the U.S. Capitol of Thomas Jefferson was paid for by Uriah P. Levy. And Annapolis, uh, the naval uh, base there, uh, has a chapel, and it's a synagogue, a synagogue chapel, and it's named after Uriah P. Levy. And so Jews began to get involved in politics, and then they became governors of different states. And they had not had this involvement in politics, again, since they were scattered from Israel back in 70 AD by the Romans. Well, you know, Bill, I agree with so much of what you say. And there are such important things that you can get in Bill's latest book about what every American needs to know about the Koran. And we're gonna talk more after this short break about Israel and the current crisis. Uh, we'll be back with Bill Federer right after this. Making your voice heard in our nation's capital. Dr. Chaps will be right back. Let's take a stand with Israel today. Would you sign a petition with me? Visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org and sign a petition to defend Israel, who is America's closest ally, certainly in the Middle East, if not in the entire world. We remember watching Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu give that speech at the UN when he warned about the making of an Islamic nuclear bomb, and that is being forged in Iran. But what are we doing now? The USA is negotiating with the Europeans to allow Iran to continue to develop nuclear material. Well, that's not right. Do we really trust this man, Hassan Rouhani, the president of Iran, who is the former nuclear weapons chief? You don't think they're gonna build a nuclear bomb when his predecessor, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, literally threatened to wipe Israel off the map of history. Now, we need to take a stand. Why is American foreign policy to fund the Muslim Brotherhood? Let's sign a petition to stop that. Stop sending our taxpayer dollars to fund the Muslim Brotherhood. And let's also sign a petition to protect the Jewish homeland. Both of those are available today at our website, PrayInJesusName.org. And when you sign those petitions, we will fax them to Congress. Instead, the failed foreign policy of the Obama administration, starting with Hillary Clinton and now John Kerry, is pressuring Israel to give up Jerusalem? Why? We should never divide the eternal capital of Israel, which is Jerusalem, and we should move the American embassy there. But instead, now the Obama administration is unfreezing the Iranian bank accounts, sending $7 billion to them on the hope of empty promises that maybe they'll stop their nuclear program. 
Let's defend Israel. The Jewish people are our friends. They have a right to security in their homeland. Visit PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org and sign that petition right now. Introducing FactsCongress.com. Do you care about politics, defending pro-life causes, traditional marriage, and religious freedom? At FactsCongress.com, you can create any petition to Congress, and we will convert your e-petition instantly to a real fax paper on your congressman's desk. And the best part? It's free. Want your voice heard by multiple congressmen? At FactsCongress.com, we can blast your petition to all 535 congressmen and senators instantly. And you don't even need a fax machine. Not only do we deliver your petitions instantly, but with our dashboard feature, you can quickly recruit friends on Facebook and Twitter to co-sign your petition. Do you care about a particular cause? You can build a virtual army of supporters at FactsCongress.com. Do you lead a church, faith-based organization, or PAC? We can even help you do fundraising. It's free. Just visit FactsCongress.com and try it out. Make a difference. Sign any petition today at FactsCongress.com. FactsCongress.com. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Chaps. I'm joined again by Bill Federer. Bill, you're talking about the history of Jewish political involvement as it begins here in America, and then you're gonna explain how this folds into Israel. Uh, in the early 1800s, there was this millennialism that was being preached in the Christian churches that Jesus was gonna return, and some of them began to say, hey, these prophecies need to be fulfilled, and they began to go to the Jewish synagogues and tell the Jews, it says here, you're supposed to be regathered back to your, your homeland. That planted the seeds of what we call Zionism. And so then you began to have um, Theodore Herzl. It's interesting, the founder of the Red Cross, Henry Dunant, the first winner of the um, uh, Nobel Peace Prize. All right, Henry Dunant is a Christian who supports Israel. And so he shows up in, in Switzerland at the very first meeting of the Zionist Congress to say, look, let them have their homeland again. Uh, World War I begins and uh, the Jews had quietly been buying land in the Holy Land on their own, little farms, and began to move over there. When World War I happened, the British saw that they had lots of money, and they, the British said, look, let us borrow your money after the war. We'll give you that land in the Holy Land. And at the same time, the British had uh, Lawrence of Arabia, this lieutenant who, on, who was organizing the Arab Muslims against the Persian Muslims, I mean, the, the Turkish Muslims. And Lawrence of Arabia promises these Arabs that if they help drive out the Turks, that they get the land. And so the British were like, look, uh, Lawrence, we really didn't authorize you to, to say all this stuff, but nevertheless, the, the, the uh, Muslims, Arabs, uh, assumed that that was uh, legitimate. And so there's these two claims for this land. After World War I, the Ottoman Empire's gone. And France took a part of it as a protectorate, Lebanon and Syria, later gave them their independence in the 1940s. Uh, Britain took as protectorates Egypt, Palestine, Iraq, all right, and later gave them their independence, gave birth to Israel in 1948. They wanted America to take a part of the old Ottoman Empire, Armenia. We said no, and they killed a million and a half Armenian Christians between 1915 and 1922. Like what they're doing with ISIS now what killing the, the Mosul Christians exactly. in northern Iraq. Exactly, they, they killed hundreds of thousands of Syrian and Armenian Christians uh, in the early 1900s. And um, anyway, uh, America just let it happen. 
Uh, very sad. Anyway, so here's Israel over there. Um, and so during the 1930s and the more or less, um, you know, Sephardic Jews or the what more the secular Jews that had been in England, they looked down their nose at these immigrants coming in, pushing for a literal interpretation of the Bible to being regathered. And so this whole huge land that was given to Israel as the Balfour Declaration, there was a secular Jew who was ambassador to India, and he was upset at Chaim Wiseman and the, the Jews that were taking the scriptures seriously. And he said, look, we need to have a Palestinian homeland for these Arabs, and uh, let's cut the whole area in half and give half of it for a Palestinian homeland. And they called it Transjordan, on the other side of the Jordan. So now this huge land that Israel got, it now was cut in half, and everything west of the Jordan was given to be a Palestinian state. So Jordan is Palestine, and everything west of the Jordan is Israel. Right, that was the way it was. And then uh, 1948, you had Harry S. Truman, because so many Jews were killed in Europe, uh, Truman supported them having their homeland, and so he recognized Israel as a nation. It was one of the first things the United Nations did. Russia and the United States recognized Israel as a nation. But something happened a few years earlier. Uh, in 1938, oil was discovered in Saudi Arabia, and uh, the West began to pump millions of dollars, and within a generation, Saudi Arabia went from the poorest Muslim country to the richest Muslim country. 1945, Yalta, Franklin Roosevelt meets and gives away half of Europe to the communists. He's coming back. He stops on the USS Quincy in the Suez Canal and meets with the king of Saudi Arabia. And he's talking about, hey, can you help these Jews resettle? And this king, uh, Fahd, whatever, said, no, these are, Jews are terrible. And FDR said, as long as I'm president, I agree I will not recognize Israel as a, a nation. Within a week, FDR's dead. Truman takes over and recognizes Israel as a nation. Anyway, there's a whole lot more there. We have just a minute left. Um, what should American foreign policy be now toward Israel and the Middle East? Well, it's very important to understand the Islamic mindset. Uh, the moderate Muslims believe the world will submit to Allah later. The fundamental Muslims believe the world will submit to Allah now. And they believe there'll be world peace when the whole world submits to Allah. So Islam is a religion of peace. It's just their definition of the word peace is having the whole world submit to Allah. So to them, world peace means world Islam. So the moderate ones that think it's going to happen later, if, and, and as we see America withdrawing, and as the Muslim world sees America getting weaker and weaker in our military, in our foreign policy, if Israel is ever gone, it will cause all of the moderate Muslims to go from, hey, it's all going to happen in the future, to Boom, it's going to happen now. And we are going to see the, the gasoline thrown on the, 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 the flame, and it'll explode into a huge take down the great Satan America. That's why they're so eager to, to wipe out Israel and push the Jews into the sea. Our guest has been Bill Federer. Bill, thank you so much for this history lesson on uh, political involvement. Who would have thunk that uh, the rise of Jewish political influence in America is now given rise to, we gotta stand with Israel, everybody. Uh, we're gonna see more, we're gonna talk more about this on future shows. Thank you so much. Please visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org. If you can, please donate at that website to help us bring you these exciting interviews and call us toll free at our prayer line, 866-Obey-God. God bless you in Jesus' name. We'll see you next time.
Chaplain Klingenschmidt is a graduate of the U.S. Air Force Academy who earned his Ph.D. in theology from Regent University. As a former Navy chaplain, by taking a public stand for freedom of speech and religious expression, and by sacrificing his own 16-year career and million-dollar pension, he was vindicated by the U.S. Congress, who changed the law and restored freedom for military chaplains to pray in Jesus' name. Dr. Chaps not only defended the Constitution, but his petitions have helped change the law in 10 states, restoring freedom to pray in Jesus' name. Dr. Chaps needs your financial support to stay on the air. Would you please send your best donation today? Please visit PrayInJesusName.org to donate online. Or you can mail a check to Pray In Jesus Name Ministries, Post Office Box 77077, Colorado Springs, Colorado 80970. You can also call us toll free right now at 866-Obey-God. That's 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D. Please sign up for our free emails at PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org.